The music you're about to hear was not only my entree to classical music, but also my introduction to the concept of the risen dead. It sets the tone for my talk with this episode's guests and our main topic of discussion like no other music. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. Welcome to episode 53. For this episode, we are talking with Thomas Foss of Skull and Crown Stratagem. I've been wanting to have Thomas on for some time because I'm a huge fan of his various games and projects, which are quite diverse. And we're going to dip our toes in a little bit into each one. But if you notice from the music, yes, there was different music in the intro to this episode. The classic Dance Macabre by Camille Saint-Saëns, and that is because we're going to be mostly talking about his Triumph of Death line of 28mm Undead Miniatures. Thomas, welcome to the Veteran Wargamer. How are you doing this evening? Jay, I'm doing swell, and it's really uh, awesome to be uh, talking with you finally. I know we've been going back and forth uh, with emails and chat and pictures and stuff like this, so I'm, I'm really excited to be on the show. So thanks very much. Well, thank you for, for coming on. Um, before we get too far into things, I have to ask you the same question I ask every guest. What makes you a veteran war gamer? Man, I've rolled more ones than anybody ever should in their lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the scars on our souls. <laughs> no, I, I've uh, I've been gaming. Uh, I think my first quote unquote war game or game design was when I was in fourth grade, and I had a Stratego set, and mm. I found another one at a the uh, church bazaar uh, flea market for fifty cents, and I cut the boards up and smashed them together and started making my own basically my own Napoleonic battles. Uh, mm -hmm. That's kind of where it all started. Um, and then in, you know, I, I went through uh, Dungeons and Dragons and, and, and whatnot and started painting miniatures. Uh, I actually had the, uh, the kind of insider trading advantage that um, Alan Lucian uh, is my kind of erstwhile godfather. And uh, mm -hmm. one of the guys in this site of Creative Anachronism that took me in. Alan wrote the first through ninth level spells for D&D. Uh, for Plus oh. the Tomb of Horrors, right? So I was actually mm -hmm. playing Chainmail and D&D &D at a very early age. Mm -hmm. uh, so I had the fun with that. Um, then working my way up, I think the very first uh, war game I ever played was an old set of uh, WRG 7th edition rules. Ah. Uh, yeah, so old school. And it was um, Romans versus Undead. Because oh. uh, <laughs> those are the miniatures that we had. And they were the old minifig miniatures. And the, okay. un the Undead line was actually the uh, the old Valley of the Four Winds Undeadline, which was a an homage to 
to Bruegel's uh, you know, Renaissance type skeletons. And that mm-hmm. actually became my first love, right? It's like, you know, the first miniatures you play with, right? It's like your first right, love. Right. And if you look at one now, the minifigs figures, they look like they were made out of solder. <laughs> They're not mm-hmm. the best, but they had a lot of character to them. And it's actually what brings me even to present day, my triumph of death line. It was that, right. that I wanted to, to recreate that, that first love feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, those, those old minifigs um, actually, uh, Henry Hyde was talking with Simon Tonkis on the latest edition of, or the latest episode of Battle Chat, and they were talking about those early figures. And yes, they were they were sculpted with a soldering iron, if you can believe that. I do believe it. So and, you and, you weren't too far off. Yeah, yeah, but 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 that being said, they have uh, they just have wonderful um, caricatureness to them, right? They they had nice movement mm-hmm. shapes, you know, a lot like the old. Uh, um, Oh my gosh! Uh, I was going to say Scroobies, but not maybe not because Scroobies you couldn't mm-hmm. tell if it was. You could take a Scrooby miniature and paint it up to be an ancient or a Napoleonic or a 14th century knight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of uh, who did um, in the Grand Manor. Who wrote in the Grand Manor rules? The big Napoleonic battles, um, and he used to have the the War Games Holiday Center. Peter oh, Gilder. Oh. Peter Gilder. Yes. Yeah, yes. Peter Gilder miniatures, uh, again, with his amazing line of Napoleonics, uh, again, they, they weren't the best sculpts, but man, they had so much action, and especially when you put the units together, they just really felt wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, I, I, I love those kind of things about, about those kind of armies, and that's, you know, I guess, again, showing how far back I go as a veteran wargamer. Yeah, that's, that's pretty far back. Now, you've been doing some other things since then of course. And I think, I guess this was probably six or seven years ago. Um, I went to recruits in Lee summit and Mm -hmm. there was this guy crawling around on the, on the floor on a carpet, pushing wooden knights around or not wooden knights, wooden vaguely Napoleonic figures around. Yeah. My wooden Napoleonic, my wooden war stuff. Yeah. And I thought, man, that was really cool. And I, and I should have taken the opportunity to to talk to you then, but, uh, you're such a wallflower. Yeah. (laughs) That's me. Uh, Mr. Bashful, but, uh, no, I I should have taken the time to to talk to you because I think trying to remember if maybe that was, I'm not sure when that would have been, but anyway, that was, um, I think it was recruits and it was, I think four or five years ago. And I, mm-hmm. I was, I was, I came out as the guest of honor, which was a really neat thing. Uh, and uh, my good friend, Jay Wiley, who, you know, mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, yeah. who runs Wiley games. Uh, he, uh, he um, helped set it up and I came out as a guest of honor and I flew out there and ran my wooden wars game, which is basically uh, playing with wooden soldiers on, on, on the floor. Uh, with rubber mm-hmm. balls bouncing around, right? It's it's, yeah. it's floor wars reimagined, and um, that game, um, I actually how how that guy. Uh, so a little go back a little bit farther. Um, sure, I, I've been uh, you know kind of starting with that Stratego set. I've been actually designing tabletop games and board game rules since you know since way back when. Um, mm-hmm. In in college, uh, I got together with some friends, my college friends of mine, and uh, we formed Seventh Street Games. And out of Seven Street Games, we actually published a set of Mecha rules called Mecha exclamation point. Uh, and I did uh, I helped write write the rules, and it was 3D action anime combat, 
Um, and I ended up, uh, we did a supplement to it called Spirit Warrior Empire, which was Aztec mechs in space. Ooh. And I ended up sculpting all of the um, the miniatures for that. Um, I think I did 10 or 12. Um, actually, we had, my friend Lori Washbone did a couple, but I did the rest. And they were um, multi-part resin kit models oh. that we uh, that you put together. Uh, yeah, you can, um, and um, that's, that, that was, you know, it was a niche of a niche market, but it was really fun. So that's kind of where the first published sets of rules came from. After that, I did a set of rules called Pirates, uh, Miniature Battles on the High Seas. And the idea there was uh, playing a Pirates game, uh, tabletop Pirates game, with kind of um, super deformed ships, because they weren't mm -hmm. full 28 mil scale, you know. Uh, but uh, you could, but you use your 28 millimeter fantasy armies to play with it, and okay. uh, and I sculpted all the ships and did resin casting. But you used your your Warhammer armies, so we had dwarf armies and undead armies and elf armies and and all nice. the historical all the historical armies as well. Uh, and that was actually uh, that game did really well, even um, to the point where um, Foundry picked up the the models. They we I remember shipping them boxes of models. That was a, mm -hmm. a fun challenge. Uh, and and uh, from there, I had a lot of people actually at game conventions playing my games that were in the video game industry. And they came. Uh, some of those guys came up to me and said, hey, have you ever considered making video games? <laughs> to which I said, yes, when I actually hadn't. But um, <laughs> uh, so uh, long story short, I actually interviewed with them uh, and got a job, my first job in the video game industry in the early 90s. Uh, with SSI, um, and I was actually, um, I did art for them for the first one, because during that time, I was actually in art school. I got a, a, my degrees in painting and art mm -hmm. history. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how my video game industry started, and I've been in the industry doing video games for over 23 years. And on the and side, I, I keep doing my tabletop stuff. Right. And it should, it should be noted that for many of our listeners who might not be aware of the video game industry, you're kind of a big deal. I don't know about that. Well, I mean, there aren't very there aren't very many people who are the correct me if I'm wrong lead designer of Neverwinter. No, there's just me. I'm the I'm the one that gets the blame for all that. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've I've actually uh, I've actually been on Neverwinter for, uh, at, well at Cryptic Studios, the company I work for. Uh, this is my fifteenth year there, and I've worked on every game that we've put out. And many that we didn't put out, uh, <laughs> but but Neverwinter is uh, is really my my love and, and and my dream for all be obviously going all the way back to playing D and D right uh, mm -hmm. big love for D and D and I I did the original pitch for Neverwinter and helped put it together uh, to get it going about five uh, well actually this is about eight years ago but it's been live we're on our sixty year with the, the big MMO with you know mm -hmm. millions of people playing and it's it's a real blast and I and I love our players there. They've, they're always got great feedback <laughs> sometimes sometimes brutally honest feedback yes. but uh but i but i love it and uh and i and i love you know making making cool dungeons and dragons yeah that and for those that don't know neverwinter is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game that is set in the dungeons and dragons forgotten realms setting correct Correct, and yeah. we actually we just had a big expansion and kind of updated the game to uh, fifth edition type rules and and nomenclature and settings like that. Mm -hmm. Yep, and uh, and we're um, it's a free to play game, and we're on PC and uh, PS4 and Xbox. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was plug. 
That's <laughs> hey, that's okay. That's all right. I'll I'll have some links in the in the show notes for sure. Oh, I was uh, I was watching some some videos last night to kind of get an idea of what Neverwinter was, and mm-hmm. uh, it was right before my daughter went to bed, and she's thirteen. And she said, "What's that?" And I said, "It's it's Neverwinter. It's a it's an online role playing game." Oh, are we gonna get it? So. <laughs> I, I might have to, we might have to investigate that. So You should totally get it. It is very kid-friendly. Uh, I've got uh, my uh, my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old both play, and they actually like we playing think. with their friends. Yeah. You have to, we'll have to look into that for sure. We'll have to look into that for sure. Now, yeah, this totally is not team the... Team up and go through this, a dungeon. Yeah, this is, this, unfortunately, this is not the, the veteran role player. This is not the veteran <laughs> computer gamer. This is the veteran war gamer. I'm happy so, to talk about tabletop. So we will talk about tabletop, and to say that you've got a, a a wide and varied interest would be an understatement, I think. Because seeing some of the stuff, folks, if you're not following Skull and Crown on Facebook, you need to, because the stuff that Thomas is putting out is a spectacular in its execution, but b it is highly imaginative in its in its inception. Oh, and that's uh, su- super kind of you. I mostly my friends just say I'm a squirrel on crack because <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to keep me pinned down with any one thing at any given time. <laughs> well, I I wish I had your I don't know if you'd call it ethic or see you know your work ethic or stick to itiveness or what have you because I I've got just as many ideas as you do and I want to follow everyone is just life gets in the way unfortunately but oh it it, it does for everybody you know like yeah. I, I just don't sleep a lot that's all <laughs> what i really we'll talk about all that other stuff for sure mm-hmm. but what i really want to talk about is the triumph of death sure and and i think those of you who've been following me on facebook and on twitter have seen you've seen the triumph of death stuff already and I definitely want to talk about where they came from. Now, you mentioned the uh, those earlier undead armies that you had either had mm-hmm. or had access to, mm-hmm. and how they were influenced by Bruegel. But their their definite influences and inspiration in you know all the Renaissance woodcut artists, especially and and painters. So walk walk us through where Triumph of Death came from. Absolutely. Uh, so as I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, one of the very first war games I got to play was, um, was Romans versus undead. Uh, they mm-hmm. were both mini, minifig sets, I believe. And the, um, the undead were the Valley of the Four Winds line, uh, that came out and, uh, they were an homage to Renaissance German woodcuts, uh, and, and Peter Bruegel's stuff. And, uh, uh, I love drawing skeletons, always have, always been doing it for quite a long time. I also love Renaissance paintings and Renaissance art and wood blocks. And I've, uh, when I was in art school at the San Francisco Art Institute, I actually studied a bunch of that stuff and, um, and like gold leafing techniques and mm-hmm. gla- glazing and old master style painting uh, all the way down to, you know, mixing my own paint because I'm crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and just because you want to learn the tools. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and there's uh, a little bit of the SCA influence there as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, the um, uh, so 
I've been drawing them for a while and doing wood blocks, and uh, I've even done you know uh, mock Albrecht Durers with like instead of like the you know he did big horse and little horse. I actually put like my Harley in one and my Vespa in another one, uh, <laughs> and uh, do these kind of wood blocks. But and I kept drawing them, and I wanted I wanted uh, I started making some skeletons out of my wooden soldiers, but it wasn't quite what I wanted, mm-hmm. and I just wanted to actually redo that line. So I, I had some drawings with me, and at one game convention, I was running, um, I think I was running, running my Breaking Lances game, my, uh, my jousting game, uh, uh, which I have yet to put out, but I will soon. Uh, and uh, Drew Day Williams uh, stopped by, and he was selling mm-hmm. uh, some, uh, for those of you who don't know, Drew's a, an amazing sculptor. Um, yes. Really just super talented, ultra nice guy, uh, dashingly handsome. And uh, has done work for Games Workshop and any other company you can think of, plus his own stuff. But anyway, he was he was walking by selling some uh, some some bog trolls that he did, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I want a set of these. And I'm like, and then I started talking to him about um, uh, my my skeletons, and I had my sketchbook with me because I always always carry my sketchbook with me. And I started mm-hmm. showing him drawings, and he replied that at one point somebody else, I can't remember who it was. Uh, approached him uh, to actually do some Renaissance skeletons, but it never came through. And he'd be super jazzed about the idea of it. Uh, and yeah, that's one of the best things you can hope for is, is to get an artist excited about a project. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, uh, so we met up um, and I said like, here's some money for the first ones and let's do this. And he sculpted them and he had a blast doing them and they came out spectacular. And I was super excited. And, you know, I, I, a lot of the, the reference, uh, just like you were talking about earlier, Jay, uh, is like it's not just Peter Bruegel and his Triumph of Death, other that painting, which um, if anything, you should put a link of that up because it's really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, yeah. Which it's in the in the Prado, I think. Um, it just has so many great poses and action scenes of of the skeletons taking over and you know, over the humans when I guess the apocalypse is happening. But mm-hmm. there's also uh, fantastic woodcuts like Hans Holbein's Totentanz, The Dance yeah. of Death is actually one of my even bigger inspirations because it shows um, it. Uh, he draws a lot of skeletons. Basically each, each frame is, is somebody in life, like a, uh, the priest or the cardinal or the, the nun or the musician or the noble or the worker or the Lonsconnect. Uh, and it's them with death, basically standing next to them, you know, letting them know that, that death's never too far away. Right. Um, and that, you know, that was basically, uh, art is always a uh, a product of its time and place in history. It's the mm-hmm. thing that we always know about art, right? Uh, it's always reflecting what what the world is reflecting. And right. you know, this is this is during a time where war is constant, plague is happening. Uh, there's bodies everywhere all the time. So the the fact that you're seeing death in the art is kind of a cathartic thing, right? Right? Yeah. You, you know, you can imagine some poor seven year old girl in church with her rosary beads with skulls on them. <laughs> which mm-hmm. which uh, they have those beads i think uh, some at the british museum i can't remember where but um uh so but uh but and but those drawings especially holbein's are so full of character and he does things very artistically where a femur bone is actually curved in this bow type shape not because it really was but because he wanted to get that kind of stretched kind of um cartoonish pose if you will right right that really just reads to the character and and drew you know, I try to get that into my drawings, and Drew can totally nail it with his sculpts, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, the other, with... the other thing that kind of, um, I keep 
I'm talking and I'm trying cutting you off. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I've, I've got an artist. I've got an artist excited about a project. So. <laughs> oh, I want to hear about it. Uh, but so one of the other things I'll talk about with the with the triumph of death and and what I tr really try to get into my pieces is uh, these aren't just um, uh, straight up GW style skeletons, just right. in bone. Not that believe me, I, I I love my GW plastics skeletons, the old ones, mm -hmm. right? I'll have this. Um, but um, what they are is they've got skin hanging off them, and they're emaciated, yeah. and they've got tufts of hair, and they're they're missing teeth, and the way that the uh, the way that uh, Holbein and Albrecht Durer and, and Bruegel, they draw the skulls is in this very almost stylized way where the cranium is kind of bigger and flatter. They're accentuating mm -hmm. parts parts of the body that they want, right? Um, and, you know, and then so like the skin almost becomes like a suit of clothes off of them. And, and you know that that's basically because there were probably bodies that weren't necessarily buried all the time. So that's what you're seeing on the side of the road or off of a battlefield that happened months ago that kind of thing right right so it's actually even though it's caricatured it's a realism of what was actually happening at the time right and i i have to mention when the first kickstarter when the triumph of death one i guess you'd call it kickstarter was going on mm -hmm. um i somehow i saw it and i thought man that's really cool and then i found a great courses uh audiobook on audible called the yeah. black death the world's most devastating plague uh presented by professor dorsey armstrong and she talks about the black death through the 13 you know especially with the first one in the 1340s and on down through mm -hmm. 16 1666 and she talks at length about how important the artistic representations of what was going on you know was you know partly you know part of the way that people just dealt with it exactly and... it's the cathartic thing right just it's really just the day-to-day -day thing and how to deal with it right and and you know i know that there are other podcasts that that do audible and say you know hey join audible and mention you know whatever podcast and get a free book and whatnot if you're not already on audible i do have to say at least sign up for the free one get the black death and then order then you know get on the Kickstarter for triumph of death too. You won't, you won't regret, regret it. But anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not often this excited talking to somebody cause I really love this, this line. Um, and oh, thanks man. Oh, it, it's great. And right when you were doing triumph of death one, I guess we'll mm -hmm. call it, um, the, oh, what the assault group in Britain, Mm -hmm. had a Kickstarter for undead Landsnecks or zombie Landsnecks. And Did so, they? oh yeah. Yeah. They, wow. uh, in, yeah, they ended up with, uh, eight poses, I think. And I got a couple packs of those and, Oh yes, yes, they did. Yes. I got those yeah. too. They're kind of the shambling ones. Yeah. Those are pretty awesome. Yeah. I so, had to think back on it. Cause I was thinking they also had a Kickstarter for, uh, the plastic Landsnecks. Yeah, that was that's a different outfit, and those are actually owned by uh, uh, Propatria well, was the company that did. Propatria did it, but it didn't go through, and then Tag picked them up and actually no, makes Warlord did it. Oh, Warlord, that's right, that's yeah. right. See, you know all the right names. I don't. I just remember <laughs> that they're shiny miniatures, and I've got them in my collection. <laughs> yeah. Um. So links for all these products are going to be in the show notes, folks. Don't worry. It's, we're 
we're getting back to old school veteran wargamer with exhaustive uh exhaustive uh links in the show notes on on this one so yeah it eventually and people that have been following me on the on uh, twitter and the blog and whatnot know that an ongoing project of mine is taking the commands and colors rules and making a large scale 28 millimeter game out of it. Oh, cool. And, um, this is my dream project to do a human landsnecked army versus the zombie and skeleton hordes of death. Oh, and the French. <laughs> you could do it. Cause you can do like, well, you could do like battle of Pavia, right? It's like a great, uh, a great historic scenario. Yeah. But uh, anyhow, you know, coming coming soon to recruits near you. But uh, that sounds awesome. I want to play that. Yeah, well, it, it'll it'll take some time, but um, I'm I'm getting wrapped up. Okay, so we should talk about Triumph of Death Two. Yeah, slated for September first to start. Correct? Uh, uh, no. Uh, well. Actually, I was going to be doing it September 5th, but um, I had to do a bunch of work stuff and mm-hmm. I didn't get all the photos and miniatures, which is what I was screwing around doing today, uh, uh, ready for it. So all the layout's just about done. I'm just trying to get all the pictures ready and get all the camera stuff. So uh, just to make sure, because you never know when you submit a Kickstarter to mm-hmm. Kickstarter, it could take up to a week for them to to come back to you and give you the green light. Okay. So it's always a challenge. Uh, last time they actually did it within 24 hours. The one of my first ones uh, for the Killer Rabbits, they did that. For uh, but uh, I just want to make sure. So right now I'm looking at the, I think the 10th is what I'm going to uh, schedule it for. So you heard it okay. here, fo- here first, folks. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm, I'm shooting. 10th. I'm shooting for September 1st to be the release of this episode. So you're hearing oh, it perfect. here first. You're hearing it here first. The the tentative release date for the Kickstarter is September 10th. Yep. Okay. So, and that's going to be a, is that a 30 day Kickstarter you're looking at? I believe I'm going to run it for 30 days. That's been pretty successful for me. Okay. And one of the things I like about, I, I, I thought about running 20 days, but 30 mm-hmm. days is cool because um, you get to catch people that may have missed it or, mm-hmm. you know, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're busy or you get the pickup. It also gives me a chance to actually provide more cool stretch goals. Yeah. I, uh, I was super excited about how many neat stretch goals we were able to achieve in the last Kickstarter and mm-hmm. uh, some I got to be able to do some really awesome miniatures and that's really what a stretch goal to me is. It's like, like if we can get to this point, then that means I can, I can cajole Drew into doing one more (laughs) cool, awesome drawing, uh, a sculpt, right? Yeah. Um, And we can afford to pay for it. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Well, I I keep jumping around, but that's just how it's going to be on this episode, folks. So triumph of death one, Mm -hmm. let's, let's talk through that. It started with, um, let's see, Time for Death 1, you had some uh, I, I went for some pole arms. I went for the base core step. First of all, we mm-hmm. had uh, we had Death. And uh, so we had Mounted Death, one of the four horsemen. And mm-hmm. he is based, uh, like, I didn't even have to do the concept art for him because uh, Albrecht Dürer did. There's this wonderful little um, pencil drawing that Albrecht Dürer uh, did of Death. And we I used that specifically for the uh for death sculpt and, and drew did an awesome job with it it's actually we ended turning it into a multi-pose so he can mm-hmm. either be carrying a scythe mounted or uh holding up a um an hourglass 
It's a very yes. nice and prosaic. Um, so it was, it was death, and then we went into polearm. So we actually had halberdiers. I had uh, two different types of halberdier units, marching and attacking kind of things. And then um, I had uh, different command groups with it mm -hmm. that you could pick uh, depending on what you were getting. And with those guys, I had the uh, very Lanskonecti kind of uh, kind of looking uh, guys, right? So you've got um, uh, uh, you've got like an officer with a Schweihander over his shoulder, you know, wearing a breastplate, still a skeleton. Um, I yeah. had some of the classic. Uh, oh, I f forgot about the other unit. Let's talk about the other unit. The other unit was uh, dart throwers. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're throwing the uh, these uh, big medieval darts that look just like big arrows. Um, and um, I actually did a lot of research on this because I thought, oh, this was something that Peter Bruegel just put into his painting, right? These big masses of armies uh, throwing these darts. But what I found out uh, was that these dart arrows were actually uh, very widely used. The Burgundians used them a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of Stradiata and kind of uh, light troops used them. They were also used on ships quite a bit because they could cut rigging or cut through sails and they flew really well because they had the, the fletchings and everything on them. And they have a right. broad head. So what I thought was just this kind of stylized, you know, piece of art, uh, you know, talking about how death's just going to, you know, kill you with an arrow type thing actually in real life was, was a very viable, uh, uh, weapon. Um, uh, um, Todd from, uh, uh, Todd's works. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Hmm. He, uh, Todd Cutler, he is a, um, an armorer that makes swords and beautiful crossbows and, 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 and things like that. Uh, he, uh, he actually did a show on, um, on, on the darts and how to throw them and how to make them, which is really cool. Okay. Uh, like a YouTube video. Yeah. It's a YouTube video. Yeah. Yeah. Todd Cutler, okay. Todd's works. He's a, uh, he's always an inspiration to me because he just makes beautiful art. With yeah. His swords and, and whatnot. And those, uh, those, uh, dart throwing dudes also had coffin shaped pavises. They had coffin lids for shields, exactly. Because you know, you get oh, out of the ground, cool. there it is, and it's ready to yeah. go. Yep. <laughs> and then, and then for the for the command sets, I had uh, a lot of uh, inspiration from the woodcuts. I've got a horn player uh, that's right off of one of the the German woodcuts. Um, I've got a, a torchbearer uh, for the standard. There's a torchbearer holding up um, a brazier with fire on it. Which again, mm -hmm. if you look at the Peter, the Peter Bruegel paintings, you can see that like these kind of groups of them in uh, with in in the other units. Uh, mm -hmm. I have a a very traditional, a more skeletal looking uh, officer holding a. <laughs> there, I'm, I'm I'm talking to you, but I'm actually posing my body in the pose shape. <laughs> um, he's holding uh, holding an hourglass in one hand and the sword in the other, and he's and he has laurel leaves on. It just yeah. You know, really fun stuff. Uh, and then, and then one of the uh, the really uh, uh, most loved pieces was is a hurdy gurdy player. <laughs> oh, you gotta love the hurdy gurdy. I know. <laughs> yeah, there's the there's a the guy with the hurdy gurdy. There's the there's the bishop. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yeah. There's... So for the yeah for some of the stretch goals, I did um, what I yeah. called the reinforcements. Right. So it's a guy carrying a wicker basket full of skulls. Mm -hmm. um, then we got to do one of the things I like to do when we uh, do the stretch goals is uh, variations of the units. So that's when I got to do things like um, with some of the dart throwers actually adding um, the burial shrouds on some of them, 
right? Mm -hmm. Which is neat. Or or adding a different helmet or or armor to a guy. So just because you know when you when you want to build up the armies, uh, rank and file is nice, but it's nice to have uh, some some mix and match in there. Right. Um, I did for the um, for the halberdiers. I did just an open hand marching, and I like doing a lot of open hand sculpts because I I'm one of those kind of guys that likes also converting. So you know you right. can take it and put the halberd in his hand, or a big Svihander in his hand, or a spear if you want to do spear and shield, a sword, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. But yep, I did end up doing a new standard bearer, um, some variations. The the abbot, which you were talking about, who's got the yeah. the bishop's crozier. Um, I did a um, another officer swinging like a fully armored uh, uh, doppelsoldner, uh, mm -hmm. like a, a, a swinging the Svihander. So really fun stuff, and then. Uh, one of the cool pieces is this reliquary piece uh, that I did, or rather that Drew did. So the the it basically it's a skeleton carrying a giant fish over his head, and yeah. and the fish has a skull on it, um, or a crown rather. And uh, the there's kind of a fun story behind that. And um, I would go over to Drew's studio and we'd talk about the next sculpts and how we wanted to deal with these and which ones we we're going to put in line. So I'm always bringing my sketchbook and my drawings. And this little guy, uh, this skeleton carrying a fish is something that I've been drawing for, I don't know, two decades. It's one of those things where it's like a doodle, a doodle in my sketchbook that just keeps showing up and showing up. Right. And I keep refining it mm -hmm. and changing it. And uh, and Drew saw it. And what I didn't know was he took a picture of it. And I came back to the studio the next day uh, or the next week, rather. And Drew sculpted it. And I'm like, what's this? And he's like, he's like, it just had to be sculpted. He goes, this thing was awesome. And and so this whole fish and crown theme. And I'm, I'm so happy that he that he saw, uh, you know, that he was inspired by my drawing. And and made it. And I'm just really happy the, that that kind of thing happened because it's a it's a it's a super cool piece, and it it now is kind of the inspiration for all of the artwork throughout the rest of the series. So if you look at like the the Lons Connect on his embossed shield or uh, on his um, uh, breastplate rather, uh, you know how the Germans would do embossing and etch work and mm -hmm. stuff. Well, he has the fish and crown on his on his uh, breastplate. And if nice. you look at and if you look at the the bishop's crozier, uh, the the um, the fishing crown are in the crozier and on his miter as well. So Drew's nice. keeping that theme going through, and I love that that it, it really helps tie the whole line of miniatures together. Oh, that's spectacular! I I, I guess I need to take a closer look at those figures because I I haven't noticed that before. Of course, I had noticed I would have noticed it if I had painted them. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I actually do have a really good tutorial on my skull and crown blog. On, uh, I know. Yeah, on, yeah, on, yeah. on quick and easy ways to paint them. They paint up really, well, really easy and really fun. Well, I, I'm definitely looking forward to throwing my GW contrast paints at them. Yes, I just bought some. So I've been using, I mean, I've been using Agrax Earthshade as basically like a GW contrast paint and it works. Yeah. And, you know, that method works great. And the contrast paints, I think, are going to work super cool. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting them, getting them painted, and getting them on the table. A tangent about paints, please. Um, because I'm a veteran war gamer, I've gone through plenty of different paints and paint sets from poly s to the old heritage paints, which I actually loved. Poly s paints that I've never liked. Humbrels from actually painting mm -hmm. uh, mini fig Napoleonics using enamels. Uh, uh, and but um, back in the late '80s, there was a company called 
um, what are they called? Dragon Tooth miniatures or Dragon Tooth, okay. and they did they did paints. These paints called Magic Wand paints that were. Ooh, I've got one right here. I still have a couple. How cool is that? I'm, I'm actually next to my painting table. Uh, they're called Dragon Stains and um, uh, translucent water-based stains, and they're basically what GW is doing now. Oh wow! But these things were done in the in the in the late '80s, and they are the cat's pajamas. They are the best paints ever. I have like three of them left. That are, I mean that, that from you know that many years ago, they're still working for mm -hmm. me. And so, uh, but yeah, they're basically contrast paints. So um, I'm I'm excited that GW's uh, reinvented that line. That's great. That is great. So obviously, the Kickstarter itself went extremely well. Yeah, it, it it blew me away how well it was going. Um, and we we were almost daily hitting um stretch goals. Yeah, I remember, and <laughs> I, I, I kept adding stuff, kept adding stuff, and which is um, exciting and terrifying at the same time because uh, <laughs> I, this was actually my first miniatures Kickstarter. Right before that, mm -hmm. I did my one for my Wooden Wars game, um, and it right. it also did really well. And um. Uh, but I didn't know exactly what to expect with the miniatures. So I'm, you know, when you start looking at the, the stretch goals, uh, you can see that like when we start hitting, like, you know, after like the 8,000 goal, I'm, I'm, I'm literally sketching every night, coming up with new concept art for mm -hmm. the pieces that are going to go in to, to bring out the next stretch goal. And that was really exciting. I loved, I loved that kind of challenge uh, and, and having those ideas and being inspired by the banter uh, or the the comments and the talk back and forth with uh, with the backers, uh, and, and and just really get excited about that kind of thing. So, um, I'm looking forward to Triumph the Death Two doing a, a very similar thing. Yeah. Now, we'll take a break just for a moment from Death and Misery, <laughs> and your next Kickstarter. <laughs> was I remember you sent <laughs> yes, Killer Rabbits. You sent. I was asking. We just couldn't get together for some reason yeah. and record. And we were going back and forth through instant messenger on Facebook and whatnot. And you said, okay, what's coming up next? Can't tell anybody about. I said, okay, I've, I've got a, I've got a security clearance with the government. I'm, I'm good. I'm <laughs> solid. And we, we pinky squared and everything. Yep. And, and you sent me a picture of a rabbit with a spiked club. <laughs> So again, this is art, art and inspiration happening together. Um, mm -hmm. I'm over at Drew's studio and we're actually, I'm bringing some sketches cause we're starting to think about Triumph of Death 2, right? I'm like, I'm excited to get this done. This is, la this is like last year. Um, and because, you know, it, it, as, as successful as Triumph of Death 1 was, we didn't get all the cool things that we wanted to do, like all the unit types mm -hmm. and to fill in the army, right? There's no cavalry yet, other things like that. So I'm bringing over some sketches and Drew, uh, in his studio, because we pinky swear in friends, he's got all of his clipboards up on up on his studio wall of all of his commissions and things he's doing. Like there's the stuff for, you know, Otherworld, there's James Workshop, there's somebody else. So I get to see all this stuff, which is cool behind the scenes. But uh, but what I see on this table are a bunch of, of Xeroxes and color prints of medieval rabbits. And these are the the medieval rabbits from like the marginalia from the margins of where the monks would mm -hmm. actually draw these cute little rabbits when they're not really cute because they're always doing horrendous things like flaying monks alive or, or, <laughs> or, or riding on cool snails and jousting each other or playing instruments or, or using swords and shields. And I looked at them like, dude, these are so cool. 
like uh, and like what are you gonna do with them he goes oh man they just need to be they just need to come alive they need to be sculpted and i'm looking at him like so do it because you know he's a sculptor right (laughs) i'm like so do it he goes well what am i gonna do with them i'm like man do a kickstarter he's i don't know anything about kickstarters i'm like all right i will help you and that's honestly how killer rabbit started out right um, it was, it, for all intents and purposes, it was under my name and I ended up buying the, the rights to all the rabbits and everything, but it was Drew's Kickstarter and it was all yeah. about, you know, working with him and, uh, and just being inspired by him. And he just did amazing work with those rabbits. Um, and it's one of those things where you're trying to, uh, you know, you're, I'm putting it together and we're having, you know, the little teasers and, and talking about exactly what this is and i'm starting to gain interest like i do on facebook like even today i've got i posted up on uh on facebook um uh a picture of three of the casts of one of the command sets that's going to come out for tod2 mm-hmm. uh which i'm super excited to show off uh but i was doing the same thing with killer rabbits and what i started noticing was the people that are that are conversing with me and, and you know the likes and, and the conversations and comments aren't just the typical war gamers uh, although the, the the Kings of War guys are really super excited about them, which is awesome. But I started seeing people from like the the Guild of Scribes, the SCA Guild of Scribes, and um, the the ones in Oxford, like the official like you know in England Scribes Guild. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you know uh, historians are liking them. It also had a great market with uh, with ladies. They love the rabbits, and it was really cool. Yeah. So um, we found this really nice crossover niche and. Um, and I was so excited to to actually get that uh, to get that Kickstarter out, and it funded in what forty five minutes. It was it was crazy, and then it just kept bowling. It was something where I figured, oh, you know, these are cool, they're really awesome, uh, but they're rabbits. We'll probably, if we're really lucky, we'll make maybe eight thousand, and it just kept going, and it almost tripled that, right? And it just kept going, right. and it was so fun. Again, that kind of uh, that kind of race in what a Kickstarter is where you, you do a lot of backend work to get it ready. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you put it out live and then it's kind of like, like, I, I don't know what it's like, like maybe like, like playing the stock market live. It's like being in a PVP match, right? Like, you know, yeah. online, uh, there's a, it's just like, everything is just happening fast, fast, fast. Even though it's like a 30 day thing, it's still fast, fast, fast. And then, when the Kickstarter is over, that's really when the real work begins, right? That's when like, Oh my God, I just had a baby. <laughs> you're like, and yeah. you're like, and you take a day off and you, you bask in it. And then you start figuring out orders and you start looking at how many things people ordered and what they ordered and start getting all the pledges ready. And then, you know, and I, then I call my caster and I say, Oh dude, I hope you weren't planning on taking, you know, <laughs> any time off anytime soon. Uh, and, and then we go from there. But, uh, but yeah, that that was Killer Rabbits, and uh, yeah, and some super fun stuff. So cool, so cool. Um, yeah, I, it's just such such a whimsical topic, and it, it's one of those things that no quote unquote serious war gamer is going to buy. <laughs> but you know what? It's got me thinking. Maybe I need to revisit that, and maybe maybe I I play some. Hordes of the things, you know the the WRG fantasy rules. Uh, and, yeah, you can play them. Uh, Kings of War. A lot of Kings of War guys were buying them. Um, I got people. Oh, really? I got people using them in Mordheim. It's <laughs> like it's like chaos guys. Uh, there's somebody out there. There is a a rabbit fighting game. 
Um, oh, and I feel so bad that I can't remember <laughs> it right now. It's a it's a rabbit skirmish game, um, and I can't remember it. But I've been talking with the guy, and he does awesome work too. So yeah, you can mm-hmm. use them for anything. Uh, people are introducing sure. them into their D and D games as like well, you know yeah. you got a monk mad, and all of a sudden he just summoned all of his marginalia out at you. Nice. <laughs> so many fun um, things. Are, Thomas, are you familiar with uh, Bad Squidow? Mm-hmm. Game. Yeah. Well, she's got the she's got the guinea pigs. So I guess you could have rabbits versus guinea pigs in a totally in a garden fight. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> over over the cabbage, right? I'm actually yeah, I'm, there you go. I'm actually painting up a unit of killer rabbits right now, and I made a banner for them because uh, it's one of the things I couldn't talk Drew into because he just wanted. He's like, no, these just have to be traditional, out of the manuscripts. So I'm like, ah, oh, but we need mm-hmm. a standard bearer. So I'm actually making one right now, and the standard is a blue jacket with red buttons on it. So it's like Peter Cotton, it's Peter Cottontail's jacket, right? And they're gonna be called the Blue Jackets. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So you can just keep taking it. And you're, you know, you're talking about like, uh, oh, you know, not for serious war gaming. It's funny because I've got like, uh, uh, Kevin Dollymore is pinging me. He's like, hey, I missed your Kickstarter. Can I get some of those guys from you, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, so it's it's like even you know even the top dog painters are like, oh, these are so cute. Yeah, that's. I, I should probably not take myself so seriously when it comes to stuff like this. I but, it's, uh, it's you know I'm uh, I'm really excited. There's a um, a new Kickstarter that's coming out, uh, and it's going to be uh, Baron's Wars miniatures, right? So it's that yes. early 13th century stuff. And um, oh, I feel so bad. I can't think of the sculptor's name right now. But he he did a lot of the original sculpts for uh, for Claymore castings and their early uh, mm-hmm. medieval stuff. Uh, and now Matt Bickley has taken over for sculpting for them. Uh, Matt also does really good stuff. I was actually talking with Matt about like I'd love to do a Baron's Wars thing because uh, also going back to my my veteran war gamer status, um, one of the first war games that I actually started building for myself and playing was an old set of rules by Heritage Miniatures called Knights and Magic. Do you remember mm. those rules? I do not. So uh, here's a fun bit of history lore. Before there was a Games Workshop, before there was a Citadel, or even I think like Ralpartha Citadel, there was Heritage Miniatures. And they were, mm-hmm. they were somewhere from the Midwest. Um, and they wrote a set of rules that were more or less skirmish rules. But I mean, you could build up armies to 60, 80 guys, I guess. Um, and it was based all around more or less medieval, but their rule, uh, their rule book had everything from ancients to medieval to fantasy in it. Um, really interesting uh, dice system where uh, it was worked on a D15. So like zero to, uh, so it was like zero, zero, <laughs> zero to 14. And, but, but it was really clean. And I, I love, I've actually tried to, to, to steal their design with how they actually have their matrix because down uh if you look at the everything, the, all everything you need to know to hit was basically on one page. So you could look down one row and see what kind of weapon you were using, and then you would cross match mm-hmm. it versus the armor that you were doing, right? So like you're using a an axe versus a guy with a chainmail and shield on a horse that's not barded or yeah. barded, right? And that would give you a basic a basic two hit number that you had to roll under. And then, and then uh, morale went up and down to give you pluses and minuses. And it was a really fun system. Um, but, but Heritage not only came out with the rules, the rule set, uh, which also had a campaign in it and magic and uh, all, hmm. all sorts of cool stuff, uh, but, um, which is why it's called Knights and Magic. Uh, but they also right. came out with their own line of paints. And then they had their own line of terrain. They did castles and 
wizards towers and buildings they also had the license to lord of the rings that's the old ralph oh, wow. the old um uh rotoscoped version right mm-hmm. um uh and uh the ralph, i guess ralph bakshi yeah the ralph bakshi version yeah and they also had the rights to the Dungeons and Dragons license. So they made all the D&D figures as well and all the monsters and stuff. So they were a big, awesome, like full on company. Um, and but I don't they didn't last for more than like five or six years. I mean, Duke Siegfried, uh, you know who Duke Siegfried is, right? Yeah. 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 He was he was actually one of the major writers of the rules. So, oh, wow. yeah, which I, of course, as a kid, I had no idea who Duke, Duke Siegfried was until I met him many years later and had the the chance to play in one of his cool games at Historicon. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, so um where was I going with that? I, I now I've now I'm just rambling. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. But but, but Her- you're Her- allowed to do that. Here. Oh, Heritage was a cool thing. Um and uh they were they were basically the grounds of like and then Games Workshop came kind of after that and did they took that model and kind of built on it. The end. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> It's great when folks come on and are excited. I, I this is the best kind of show, so we'll we'll keep rolling with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that brings us that brings us to what's going to be kicking off here in the next couple of weeks, and that is Triumph of Death Two. And so you mentioned that you and Drew still had some stuff that you wanted to do, mm-hmm. and I guess for, to to put it to put it simply, that's just. That that is the impetus for Triumph of Death Two. You you weren't done yet, and you wanted to see what else could get out, right? Exactly. You can't stop death. That's why it's called the apocalypse, <laughs> right? And this is this is the a lot of the um uh, the feedback I got from the first kick. So I was like, these are awesome, but like, where's the cavalry? Yeah, I want to I want to feel whole armies. So yeah. So in the um in Triumph of Death Two, the apocalypse, uh, what I'll be featuring for the main core units will be pike and crossbows. Mm-hmm. So, so nice. now we got some nice missile troops, and we've got those full bl- uh, pike blocks with multiple poses uh, that make it feel very Lawns Connect, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then we also have cavalry. I've got uh, two different poses of, or two different types of cavalry. Uh, we've got uh, horse archers, so that really nice kind of light skirmish kind of Stardiat type thing. And then we have mm-hmm. uh, uh, skeleton cav that uh, are throwing the war darts again right out of the uh, Peter Bruegel painting. Uh, but right. the way I've done those miniatures uh, with the war darts is they're open hand. So if you want mm-hmm. to instead put spears in their hands or sh- swords or lances, you can do that. So again, to give you a lot of variety with those things. And, sure. and both of those units have uh, two poses right now. So I'm excited Excellent. about that. And then, and then what goods an army with that near artillery? So, we're we're doing an uh an undead cannon and crew. Not, not, oh, you gotta like that. Not that the cannon's dead, but uh, but actually Drew is basing it off of again going off of the fish and skull kind of thing. The 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 cannon barrel will have influences with the fish and and crown on it. I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't seen what he's done yet. He's kind of hiding that one from me. I've seen the wheels, <laughs> <laughs> and and I've given him the, and I've given him the sketches for the crew. And he's like he's like no no I got this I got this so. You know, sometimes you just have to trust the artist and let them be excited and and inspired by it. But um, and the other cool thing is uh, with the first Kickstarter, we did uh, death. But with this Kickstarter, I'm bringing in the rest of the four horsemen. So we've got pestilence Mm -hmm. and war and famine. Uh, So you get you get all the big generals to command your armies. Nice. 
And then, of yeah, course, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that's super cool because um, the the one thing I have done is I started cleaning up some of the command figures, and I did I did go ahead and put put death together, and mm-hmm. I forget if I did the well, I ended up getting enough command packs that I've got two deaths, so I could do a scythe and I can do the the hourglass. Yeah, so. that, that's that's exactly why I did that with that guy, right? Because he, he, yes. he he's a nice kind of general, and I've seen other people. Uh, they got two or three of those packs because of the way the army sets were built, and they've actually swapped heads with one of the other skeletons. Oh, nice! To get even more variety. Mm-hmm. Nice. So we'll we'll get as you well right before we got together um, this evening. Mm-hmm. Here, you know, here it is, the 29th of August to 2019. Uh, you posted a picture of a command group, yep. which I which I dutifully shared <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, cool! Thanks. And, uh, no, you're very welcome. No, I've been I've been sharing the heck out of out of the skull and crown, triumph of death two stuff for Dude, that, for sure. I've... That just makes me so happy. Thank you. Oh, yeah, you're very you, welcome. I mean, you never. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just here in my studio, and I it it's uh the the reach that these things have is always just amazing, right? You you never mm-hmm. know, and it, it just always uh it it both humbles and excites me to know like you know uh I sent. Uh, wooden soldiers to New Zealand. I've sent rabbits to uh, South Africa. You know, it's like it's really cool, right? That that yeah. uh, that that there's a uh, there's people excited about the things you're doing all across the world, and and, and then you get to start that dialogues with them. You know, kind of like you yeah. and me, right? You know. Well, it's it's the same way with me. You know, looking at my download uh, download data and, and realizing I, I'm huge in Azerbaijan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I think I've got like four or five downloads in Azerbaijan. You gotta like that, right? Yeah, that's really neat. So you're gonna have multiple command groups. Um, I presume unit level command groups also. Yep, I'm I'm structuring uh, based on uh, on how the last Kickstarter went, where I had the the deals where you actually got like more and more units, right, and then added mm-hmm. on. Um, um, that worked really well, and I'm doing a similar vein. But in this, uh, I think I was because it was my first one. I I was very wordy in the pledges. Uh, where this yeah. one, um, and I've been talking to my friend uh, Kawe of Westphalia Miniatures, who's actually, he's my art director for my Kickstarters, because I'll, I'll put it all together. And I'm like, Kawe, what do you think? And he's so German. He's like, that's shit. Let me give it to me. <laughs> so I give him I give him the PSD, and like five minutes later, he makes it look beautiful, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like having a good barber. <laughs> like, it, it really is. It's like, <laughs> it just, it's just like, he goes, here, this. And I'm like, oh my God, that's like, so much better and i and i like you know, like wait a minute you just changed the font and did that thing but wow what a difference that makes so yeah right. so uh so conway's been giving me a little bit of feedback too because he's done some uh have you had him on your show yet i've not oh you should talk to him yeah yeah he did his whole um all of his um first second and third breakfast all of his halfling uh kickstarters that he's been doing which are really oh, neat. yeah yeah anyway um uh, the way he does it, uh, I've been looking at his Kickstarters and other Kickstarters, and uh, this next one will be similar, where it has the unit deals. So you, you know, the more units you buy, the more cool stuff you get, uh, including like being able to collect the four horsemen. But I'm just simplifying it in the text, and then uh, then you can just go through when you're getting your rewards. It's like I get ten units. I'll pick you know two cavalry and three pike and two crossbow that kind of thing. And then, oh, I get the okay. rewards of the command sets. So with that in mind, I want to have, uh, um, in my first Kickstarter, I only had two different command sets. In this one, I'm mm-hmm. 
currently specking out three command sets with uh, nice. possibly another one that gets unlocked as a stretch goal. So that so nice. you get more variety in generals and officers. Because the one piece of feedback I had last time was like, uh, can I have just more rank and file troops? I don't need that many officers, you know, that many personalities. Right. So yeah, so right. uh, but so working on on varying those up a little bit, and then and then hopefully being able to add more into that. Okay. Have you have you determined what your pledge levels are going to be yet? And there, would you mind sharing them with us? Uh, they uh, if you look at my first Kickstarter, they're going to be very close to the same um okay um I, I may change the prices a little bit on the high end uh just because of the 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 price of casting has actually gone up sure since uh, last year and so but yeah. uh but they're i mean they're pretty competitive if you, if you look at it it averaged out to about three dollars a figure for a metal figure that's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> compare contrasted games workshop or anybody else right right well i i i paid the price but i didn't count the cost <laughs> Well then, then, then it must have felt good to you. It did. It felt right, and the the figures are just fantastic. And 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 thanks, uh, thanks a lot. They they and they go together nice as units. Actually, they work great as skirmishers, but I really like the way they look as units. Um, yeah. And and ultimately, I mean, the whole goal of my kickstarters, just like you know, like for for Wooden Wars, my very first Kickstarter, it was really about the fact that I was playing at the time. My son was. Five, and mm-hmm. and we were playing wooden soldiers on the floor for, with with a few wooden soldiers that I had from Gettysburg from dogs years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, I need more reinforcements because my wooden fort needs more wooden soldiers, and I couldn't find them for love or money. So I ended up saying, you know what? I'm gonna. I couldn't get anybody to make them for me, so I ended up making them myself. So that first Kickstarter was really about, hey, I need a laser cutter to make wooden soldiers. Wouldn't you like some wooden soldiers too? Sure. Triumph of Death was, you know, the goal of Triumph of Death was, I love these old miniatures. I think they need a breath of life to them. Wouldn't you like some too? Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not about like, I'm not trying to get a jet plane out of this. (laughs) Right. No. And and uh and and Killer Rabbits was Drew needs to see these things realized because he's an awesome (laughs) sculptor and he has no idea how smart he is about this idea. Right. Uh. So let's let's play with some Killer Rabbits. And uh, absolutely, yeah. And so, Tramp of Death Two is just basically, it's like, hey, we started this, we should finish this because it's really cool, and we all want a full army. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, you mentioned you mentioned one stretch goal of the of the command group. Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have any that you're willing to talk about, or do you, are you keeping some in your close to your close to your vest i i'm gonna definitely keep some close to my vest because i like i like that reveal uh there's a fun in that right uh of like not knowing what's i always like if you remember my first kickstarter um i had little kind of hidden things like there is one coming up next right uh Mm -hmm. maybe a silhouette or something a little picture but um i want to i want to reveal it as it goes uh but i'm trying to i'm looking through my sketches right now see if there's anything I want to show off. Oh, I can I can tell you one of them. It's um, it's it's another unit that I'm working on. No, I'm not going to tell you that. I'll tell you that there's another unit that, that may be available. <laughs> that's hey, that's fun. I like that. That's cool. I like that. And 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 people have been asking a lot for a bagpiper too. Oh wow! Just don't put them in the same same unit as the three Gertie. I, I don't know. Doesn't that give you a plus two attack? <laughs> 
it definitely gives you plus two fear check. So yeah, <laughs> and and I'm sure that the uh, uh, that my whole like uh, you know my crazy saints and reliquaries thing are definitely gonna uh, uh, play in. I've already got a couple of sketches for that. And anyone that's actually mm-hmm. looked at my at my skull and crown uh, Facebook site or on my or on my blog, they'll uh, they'll probably see uh, sneak peeks of things that I've already revealed. Because you can look if you look yeah. at any picture of like my painting table when I'm painting something, you look close enough. There's stuff on my table that afterwards I went, oh, <laughs> I probably should have moved that before <laughs> I took the picture. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I, I, I hate to. Well, I don't hate to. But I'll just go ahead and say it. Given our intro music, mm-hmm. and given the the film strip that's set to that music, that kind of set me on my journey of fearing the undead mm-hmm. and i've talked about it before on online but any chance for a violin or fiddle player Ooh, well i've got a piper already which i which i posted mm-hmm. today using the femur bone as a flute um and yeah. i have one drummer already as part of the command sets but yeah we could probably you know the the a violin player would be cool what was the other thing you said I I I, visual, I started immediately visualizing a violin player, and then I actually went to a yeah. then I went to a Grateful Dead album, which was the first Grateful yeah. Dead album I bought, not knowing who they were, but I love the album cover. <laughs> and they, yeah, you know, and this is like in my you know Kiss and or punk rock phase of my life, and I'm like at Tower Records. I'm like, dude, look at this Grateful Dead album. This looks awesome. And then took it home and was yeah. like, what the heck is this? This this is not what I expected. <laughs> it was not at all what I expected. <laughs> So I'm not traumatized enough by that to, to not do a pipe yeah. or, 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 or violin player. Um, what was yeah. the, what was the other musical instrument you said? No, just, just the violin. Oh yeah. Um, from, from the film strip uh, set to that piece of music. Oh, I know. That yeah. I saw yeah. When yeah. I was in second grade. And we, we've talked about, I that, know exactly but. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, and granted that that particular piece of music was written in the, I think in the 1860s, 1874. There it is. 1874. So, based on like, yeah, on some of the uh, German Renaissance kind of tot and tot type stuff. Well, it's just, you know, you know, it is I think oh, Camille was, yeah, I mean, he was based in Paris and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the catacombs of Paris are extremely well known, of course. I have been in them. So, yeah. So you would, you would definitely know. I mean, that's, that's literally the, uh, you know the underpinnings of that city. Yeah, so in eighteen seventy-five, skeleton, if you will, eighteen seventy-five. Yeah, would have been. I mean, that's that's only like a decade after the Franco-Prussian Wars, and Paris. Yeah. and Paris looked like the siege of Vicksburg after the Franco-Prussian Wars. It was shelled to, to pieces, right? Yeah. So yeah, so that, I mean, there's probably still digging up bodies when they're clearing rubble. So yeah, you can, yeah, you, yeah. you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. Fun fun thing about. Uh, the catacombs. Um, I was actually in Paris for independent study uh, during art school. So, uh, so this mm-hmm. would have been 87, 1987. Um, and um, I had a, a grid notebook with me and we went into the catacombs. I mapped it D and D style. Like nice. Yeah. I, each square was a pace and like we went so many paces forward. Then we took a left and so many paces. So I mapped out the catacombs. And then afterwards, when you get out of the catacombs, um, there's a gift shop, <laughs> you know, mostly posters and, you know, paperweights, uh, but they had, a, but they had their own little like guidebook map uh, of the catacombs. Mm-hmm. So I'm opening it up and looking at it 
and it doesn't match mine at all. And I do not trust theirs. I trust my map. <laughs> so that's fantastic. So, yeah, like yeah. So don't trust their maps. <laughs> Get someone in the party to hold the torch. Someone in the party to hold the map. Do the mapping for you. There you go. There you go. Well, I'm I'm definitely excited for this. Um, it's. I'm obviously going to have to get some paint on mine now because yes, challenge we'll, we'll extended. To, yeah. We'll, we'll have to get a, we'll have to figure out a way. We'll make plans to, to meet a recruits in 2020 and I'll have, I'll have something of a game put together by then. I'm sure I, I can bring, not I can bring goal. out my figures and we can, we can uh, put them together and have the big game. Cause I have my, I'm doing yeah, my lens connects as well. I, 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 oh, man. I converted a, a bunch of my uh, empire troops. Right, that's like perfect, you know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's that's the core of that's the core of my army. Uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, a buddy of mine lives in Springfield, Illinois. He said, uh, "Hey, I'm looking to unload a bunch of Warhammer stuff. You interested?" I said, yeah, sure. I'll take a look at what you got. And mm-hmm. oh, this completely painted Empire army of about 150 figures and some other odds and ends. Well, you are already on your Warhammer way, man. Style. Oh well, well by all means, it'd be rude to say no. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> Keep it in the family. So, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I've got uh, got a good chunk of the of the human army. I got to figure out how I'm gonna rebase them, but that's we can figure that out later. You're doing for CNC. Uh, yeah, commands and colors. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, the humans are gonna be four. So you're familiar with commands and colors? I, I've done a lot of. Um of uh laser cutting for people for for commanding colors and i played it a couple of times yeah so you know infantry units are four blocks and Mm -hmm. cavalry units are three blocks and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing the my my humans are gonna be four figures to a base linear so as as the unit trips you're pulling the the strips off the back Mm -hmm. so it'll be 16 figure units for the humans and then i'm I'm going to push it, and these are going to be, you know, for the humans, uh, 25 millimeter by 100 millimeter bases. Yeah, I think that'll be fine. So what you you can't see right now, Jay, is as you're talking about this, I'm actually sketching it. I'm sketching out the base layouts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So four bases like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah, so a four by four human, you know, a human unit is going to be a four by four inch block with 16 figures mm-hmm. and i might be just to get that mass forward look i'm thinking it might be six to a six to a stand for the undead yeah that, i think that'll work well um you can totally pull that out and you know i do happen to know a guy with a laser cutter so oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I, we've got a 3d printer so you're gonna 3d print potential there as well. you're mad well why not yeah why go not? for it yeah I haven't so, I haven't jumped into the world of 3D uh, yet, but I have lots of my colleagues at work that have 3D printers. It's pretty mm-hmm. pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I, I would love. Don't get me wrong. I would love to get a a laser cutter. You know, for hey, just want to do some flat stuff. Mm-hmm. And, but anyway, we're we're uh, we're going down a rabbit trail to <laughs> so to speak. We're no, we're man, we're we're being so, game designers and game players designing games, and that's what this is all about. <laughs> Absolutely. So I guess we. my next show note was about, are there plans for a Triumph of Death 3? But I guess we got to figure out what all comes out with Triumph of Death 2 and if, if that's enough. Exactly. Um, um, yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's always things you can add to the troop list, 
right? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, more siege weapons, swivel guns, heavily armored cavalry. Although when you start putting oh, yeah. when you start putting too much armor on, are they skeletons anymore? Right? My my war yeah. uh, my uh, for uh, for war my um, hero for war figure uh, is actually based on the armor and the pose of the horse from the Wallace collection. Do you know, hmm. you know which horse I'm talking about? Like, if you have, every Osprey book has it, the horse is rearing up, okay. and and the knight in Gothic armor is holding his sword straight up in the air. It's it's like okay. I mean, it's so iconic it should be painted on the side of Vans. So that's what I use for the pose for for, for war. Uh, and, and that's an armored knight, and but it, but it reads really well because you can see the skull and you can see the bones through some of the joints and the uh, the armor or the back of the femur and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so there's potential there. But I mean, there's that. There's Siege armors. There's, uh, you know, I haven't done arquebusiers. That might actually be something that, that needs to come out. I, oh, yeah. Like I've got crossbows. I feel it's okay for undead to fire crossbows, <laughs> but it was like oh, firing handguns. It feels odd. <laughs> like, a, yeah, I don't know why. How silly of me to think that, right? Uh, that, right. that an animated skeleton can't fire an arquebus. So, <laughs> one thing, one thing that really that I really like about the line is that it's you can you can imagine people of the day believing that that was possible oh totally totally and you know it's definitely a reflection of the art of the day and i and i would imagine that you're not going to go down the go down the line of hey we'll have an undead dragon well you know that's not really yeah it's not it's that's not what this line's about this is i i call these right. i call these late renaissance you know, right, late Renaissance lines connects, <laughs> and that's kind of what they are. They're, so I'm trying to keep uh, as historically accurate to the fantasy element as possible, that, and that's kind of right. that's really what 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 that, that kind of um, artistic cohesiveness that keeps keeps it together. Right, and, and I definitely appreciate that you're, you know, like you said, you're looking at Holbein and you're looking at Bruegel and you're looking at uh, Durer mm-hmm. and um, maybe. Uh, maybe a little bit of uh, oh, what the heck's his name? Another oh, Bosch. Uh, Your honor, Miss Bosch. Yeah, Bosch. yeah, Bosch yeah, is yeah, exactly. Bosch is crazy. He's done some cool stuff. Yeah, he, I, I definitely also look for him for inspiration uh, with some yeah. of the poses in, in my religious pieces, right? Um, right, and, and I, I think the the thing I think the word I would use is maybe not necessarily historically accurate, but historically plausible. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you know the 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 trappings of the figures are historically plausible in in that a you know a late 1300s early 1400s soldier very well could have died wearing that stuff and then was reanimated mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just uh, i just love it i just love it oh, cool. um so any any other any other info we need to know about Triumph of Death before it kicks off? Uh, or Triumph of Death 2, I should gosh, say. Gosh, uh, I'm trying to think of, um, no, we talked about like some of the unit, uh, like you're getting the scoop on all of this. It's really exciting. To, to finally actually be able to talk about it is exciting, right? I've been holding so much of this close to my vest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then we talked about the unit types. Uh, I think we talked a little bit about the pledge levels and things. One thing that I always do for uh, your listeners that don't add, that haven't seen my Kickstarters before is I always offer painted units um, yes. as kind of a thing that I do. Um, 
because I have a lot of uh, patrons out there that I paint for. So, and they're always like, hey, give me this. I want to get these things. And so I put those out there kind of for them, although other people buy them too. Uh, but it's also, uh, I just think uh, some people don't like to paint, but they like to collect. So I do that. And I already, and I already have them done because I'm using them as kind of the models for, uh, for the show, uh, you know, for the Kickstarter. Yeah. So, right. so that gives me a chance to paint them and get them up. But it's one of the things I do offer in the Kickstarters, which is kind of fun. And not a lot of Kickstarters yeah. do that. And it's, and it's not no, one of those that, that, you know, you have to wait a year to get them because you're looking at them in the pictures. Right. <laughs> although, although on the uh, Killer Rabbits, uh, we had two sets painted. One's a set that I painted and a set that my uh, good friend Peter Gross painted, uh, who's an awesome uh, award-winning painter. And um, I forgot to put a pledge limit on 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 the painted ones, so I actually ended oh. up getting I ended up getting three pledges before I caught it. Uh, so I contacted the guy. And I'm like, I'm happy to to do this, but you're gonna that one you're gonna have to wait a little bit on because I don't have enough miniatures right. left. Because a lot of the um, right. a lot of the uh, the ones that are the the painted miniatures are actually mm-hmm. my prototypes, like my hero models. So even in yeah. there, like in the first collection of death, there uh, that. Uh, I do one where it's just kind of all the one-off miniatures. There's ones in there that are mm-hmm. literally one-off miniatures that never actually even made it into the range. They were like prototypes oh, that wow. I tried. Yeah. The limited edition or, or conversions that I did. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so you heard it here first folks. If, uh, if you want some utterly unique miniatures, pledge high, pledge high, and pledge often. <laughs> and you very well might get some utterly and completely unique figures that no one else has. Not even, not even Tom. Yeah, I, I don't even have them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm slowly rebuilding so, my armies. <laughs> absolutely. I'm just so jazzed for this. And I'm, I'm really pleased that it's, that uh, Skull and Crown is going so well for you. Well, thank you. Um, shifting gears mm-hmm. utterly. We'll, we'll, we'll leave Triumph of Death for now. And we'll, we'll talk about it again in the future, I'm sure. Sure. Um, now you had a you had a commission from the U.S. Park Service. Yes, for a Fort McHenry project. Oh, I'm so excited we get to talk about this. Figures. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so one of the park rangers, uh, Andrew Fielden, reached out to me uh, a couple of years ago, and they saw my wooden soldiers um, and wanted to know if I could actually do some wooden soldiers from that for for Fort McHenry uh, National Park. Uh, that they were going to be using uh, um, to teach basically uh, as map markers to uh, show park patrons. Uh, they have a map. I believe they have a map in the center of the um, of the park that's like in concrete. So they're actually using the, mm. the miniatures as like troop movements talking about the siege of Baltimore and, and uh, or siege of Fort McHenry rather. And uh, when nice. Francis Scott Key wrote the uh, Star Spangled Banner. And mm-hmm. I was so excited that they reached out to me. And I'm like, yes. And I totally lowballed myself. Uh, <laughs> and um, because, because it's going to a cool national park, right? It wasn't, a, again, yeah. it's, it's not necessarily about the money, but what I didn't realize was how much work it was going to be. Uh, it, so it took me about a year longer than I wanted it to, to get everything done. Uh, but I'm happy to say now mm-hmm. they've got everything in their hands, including the, the ship models that I did. 
uh, I did like um, ship models the size of your keyboard or a little bit bigger that they have. Uh, mm -hmm. There's frigates and bomb catches and the American sloops. And then I did gunboats with the with the boarding crews and the landing parties and the, the Marines and the colonial Marines. Uh, a lot of really fun, neat designs and figures. Uh, and yeah, and so they're going to be using them at the park. And they also have, an, I did three sets for them. So they have a um, one set for the park one set for either display or backup and then one set that they're actually taking to schools and like doing oh, and doing some school i know how cool is that right um that's super cool yeah i'm so excited uh that they're going to be uh using them and um, i'm i'm waiting for them to send me back pictures of when they actually start uh putting them into use yeah i'll look forward to seeing those on facebook and twitter for sure yeah absolutely and um i i was sad because it, the project took so long that i didn't get a chance i had that window of opportunity to actually fly the miniatures out there and actually meet everybody and take a tour of fort McHenry. but i uh, you mm -hmm. know i just ran out of time uh, although i'm, I'm yeah. very excited uh, uh, hopefully next spring to be able to go out there with my kids yeah that'll be neat in, in baltimore so close to dc you can do that easily enough oh yeah then, right that as you know just up the road is gettysburg and I, you know, as just spectacular. as a as a Californian and a Northern Californian, uh, I, I have to honestly admit that my my geography of the states kind of starts fading as I go east. It kind of goes California, then Nevada, blah, 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 blah. Mississippi, <laughs> the Mississippi River, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Boston, New York. <laughs> and then there's yeah. all this other cool stuff in between. Right. Like, I, but Absolutely. but but and, and as I land in those places, I, I get a much better sense of the geography. Like, you know, now I've been to Kansas City and I've been to Missouri. Right. You know, and 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 so now I've got a really good sense of what that is and where it is. It's just, you know, just like anything. So, yeah, so. absolutely. So um, you had mentioned breaking lances. Is that. Uh, oh, yeah. Next step in the hopper for Kickstarter, you think? That or? will actually be my next Kickstarter. And I actually I okay. had uh, had Killer Rabbits not happened. Um, I would have done Triumph of Death, and then this time I would actually be doing Breaking Lances. But, you know, we got to do Cool Rabbits, uh, so I'm not, com not sure. complaining. Yeah, Breaking Lances is no, uh, no, no. is my, um, it's a, uh, again, my laser-cut wooden soldiers, and they're based on the medieval manuscripts from the Codex Manessa, which was a, uh, a 13th or 14th century? 14th century um, codex of all these knights that were actually jousting. So it's their coat of arms, uh -huh. their cool top helmet hats, uh, you know, their crests, uh, their mm -hmm. barding. But when you start looking at the um, at the uh, uh, at the drawings, you could tell that the heralds basically had a template. Okay, here's the horse. Do you want horse A or horse B? Right? <laughs> like, and they would draw that down. Okay, do you want you know uh, chainmail A or chainmail B, shield A or shield B? Okay, and then we'll put your stuff on it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how the models are built. So they're multi-piece models, and they're 54s. And, uh, and it's all about building the joust. Um, the way that this game came about, uh, um, again, um, uh, friends of mine were, um, actually it was Drew. He was uh, DMing his, his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, his, uh, D D game and all of the party ended up at a, uh, a tournament. And he's like, Oh, I don't have any tournament rules. Hmm. And I'm looking for the old, there was a set in like a white dwarf, you know, dogs years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm mm -hmm. like, you know what? I've always actually wanted to write a set of jousting rules. So let me, let me take a stab at it. And so over a weekend, I wrote the core rules and, and, and then I had nice playtesters there and, and that was almost a year and a half, two years ago. And I've just been kind of building on them. I, I keep it's, you know, again, it, it's not like a, I need to get it out there. It's a, 
uh, more like a I'm going to get these out there when they feel right kind of rules. And right. and the whole concept behind the rules is, um, you know, I've played a lot of jousting games and it's kind of like, okay, move your horses, now roll the dice and see what happens. But that's not what jousting's about. Jousting's about you've got a thousand pounds of horse between your legs and you're trying to control that while, you know, in like four to seven seconds running down a course whilst trying to get this tiny point on target and either either on target or juking high and juking low and then the last minute going to the point you want and also trying to keep a defensive stance so that the other guy's lance isn't necessarily going to hit you in the right way right all this is happening all at once so breaking lances is about a moment to moment type of uh contact sport each turn you're plotting your horse's speed you're plotting uh and you have a little placard that that actually it's a shield shaped placard that fits in your hand and uh, anybody Mm -hmm. you can go on my blog or my website and see pictures um and then you have little pegs that you put in and so um each turn you're plotting am i going to aim for the helmet the body or the shield and am i going to block helmet body or shield and then when you guys are done plotting you reveal it to each other and it's kind of a a rock paper scissors kind of thing right so first you first you roll against your own horse skill to see how fast you can go and if you succeed in like there's kind of a risk reward on like uh, of charging, which is like going two posts. And by the way, everything's done. There's no no real paperwork. It's all visual. So like the posts on the jousting r- run are the movement segments, right? So you don't need to keep any of that, okay. right? So if you do well, then you get to put extra dice in your dice tray for the writing thing. And then, then you compare and contrast what your other thing is. So if you attacked my helmet, but I blocked shield, then you get an attack dice because you succeeded. And that goes in your tray. Yeah. And if and if uh, I attacked your helmet, but you blocked helmet, then you would get a defense dice, right? So so ah. you start. It's all about building up dice, and then eventually you're going to break lances. You're going to cross, and whatever whatever you're aiming at in the turn that you actually hit is what you'll actually be attacking. So then what you do is you take any if you have any extra writing dice, they become your extra pool that you add to your uh, attack or defense. And then you, so I, I would pick up my attack dice. Let's say I'm going to aim for, I aimed for your shield, which is a three, a three mm-hmm. plus to hit. So I'm going to roll all my dice and I'm going to try and get as many threes as possible. You're going to take your defense dice, if you have any, and you're going to roll to defend against me. And then we, uh, we figure up the average. And then if I get anywhere between one, two or three or more hits, then we go over to the chart and figure out how many points I scored. Uh, the more points you do, then there's uh, advantages that you get to roll on or possible crits that can actually do things, you know, like, damage the other player or actually eventually unhorse him so that's so you do that yeah. and that's that's the rules and it's really fun because I, I run this game at conventions and i'll have a list of 12 players right and uh, and in the time i just told you i just to, i just told you all the rules right i mean there's some nuances but everything goes from there yeah. and then you can play and then um and it's fun because you're not playing the rules you're playing your opponent right Nice. And, and so you really get that feel on and it's really fun when like friends that know each other really well you just like watch them it's 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 just like it's just like Rochambeau like rock paper rock rock oh tie blah 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 tie oh and then something yeah and then something breaks through and it's fun and then I've built a um a campaign system into it so you actually level up your knight and you get you get pluses mm-hmm. in riding pluses in you know attack and defense so then you become like those guys that you see like you know like Sir Toby Capwell the curator of the Wallace collection that joust. I mean, those guys know what they're doing. They're, they're the, the, you know, they, they're, they hit every time and they've got control of their horses and stuff, as opposed to you, when you right. start off the game, you're kind of the, um, 
You're like the squire whose knight is drunk and you have to put on his armor. It's like a knight's tale, right? <laughs> so so you go through and you can level up and you can gain favors from the crowd. Uh, you know, things like uh, an, an ash lance that gives you a plus one to hit to a lady's favor that gives you a reroll. You know, f- fun stuff like that. Yeah. You gain injuries. And, uh, and in order to heal injuries, you actually lose some of your uh, renown skills, right? Because anybody over 40 knows that, you know, at a certain point, it's just kind of maintenance. It's like, you know, yeah, you know, that, like my, my right shoulder is just, you know, from all the years of sword fighting and stuff, it's just blown, you know? Yeah. That sounds spectacular. I, I, that really sounds great. I'm looking forward to that. Well, that's, that sounds cool. Yeah. That sounds cool. Now, something that's kind of come out of nowhere, if I might say, mm-hmm. is Mad Maximilian. <laughs> You've been posting pictures of all these classic 1930s automobiles Mm -hmm. with all kinds of dust and broken glass and armored you know armored applied to them and lewis machine guns and and all the rest and some really cool drivers and well i mean and all the rest and what's that about well i'm not only a game designer i am a player right and and i love playing other people's games and uh i got I mean, I've been, you know, playing Car Wars from for dog years, and actually, I I even wrote a set of kind of uh, drivey shooty rules for a friend's uh, bachelor party uh, one year because <laughs> <laughs> he had an entire mechanized orc army, so he just used his 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 cars to to actually drive it. Uh, but um, and then I and then I found Mad Maximilian 1934, which is a, a set of rules written by Ara Harwood, uh, and I believe okay. published uh, by Mana Press, right? So it's basically okay. Mad Max 1930s. And I love oldie timey yeah. cars, and and I just love that that kind of mashup. And they're they're a fun set of rules, uh, and I just love okay. the aesthetic. And I just went to town on it. So I started buying uh, off of eBay old diecast metal cars, you know, Corgis and mm-hmm. Bugattis and little Audis and whatever I could find. And 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 then yeah. I just started kind of looking at them. I'm like, how do I want to do these? And so and the first thing that came to mind was Speed Racer. I, lo- I love speed racer. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, so I, my first cars I converted to do these kind of speed racer style, 1930s cars. Like what, what would the Mach five look uh-huh. like? Right. In, 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 in the 1930s. So I started doing some research on, on old cars. Uh, and um, I found all these different car companies that we don't even know about today. They just, you know, kind of died out in the twenties or thirties. And one of them was called uh, mm-hmm. the, the Marmon motor works. And they were the first ones to ever do a V 12 engine. And they won, wow. they won one of the uh, races, like in 1917, you know, one of these big, like, you know, rally races. So, so I call it, I call mm-hmm. it uh, the, the, instead of the Mach five, it's, 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 you know, it's the Marmon 500 and you know, I've got Guido Veloce yeah. driving it, but he's got, I, I got the gears and the saw blades in front, but are made out of, um, uh, like watch gears, you know, and I've got my little speed racer yeah. guy. I just, I'm just having a blast with it. And I've painted, I've sure. painted up enough cars that I'm actually uh, uh, going to be running a, uh, a game at a convention this weekend uh, here in Northern California. We have uh, a few conventions a year and one of them is specific on game convention. Um, and um, okay. I'm going to be running two games there. Uh, one will be the Mad Maximilian uh, 500. So I, so I went to town, I, I painted a, a track on canvas and I made a bunch of foam terrain and my son helped me. So that was really fun. Mm-hmm. He's 12 years old now. So he's actually, you know, he's got the, the foam cutter and he's making rocks and things for me. Uh, and, um, and yeah, it's, I think it's just going to be a, a fun blast. And I mean, ultimately I play war games to show off my toys. 
And I have a lot of friends yeah. that are really talented. So uh, it also becomes a game of one-upsmanship. <laughs> it really does. Go. It really does. And that's how, and that's how my, my uh, bellicose Belgian came out, um, which is my, it's it basically Mad Max meets Tintin. I have an old Tintin figure. And he's the one driving, driving this really cool, uh, this little Audi car. Um, I call it the Audi Interceptor. The first, the first of the V8s instead of the there last of the V8s, like in Mad Max, right? And there honestly, <laughs> that 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 is a one-upsmanship from uh, from a guy in New Zealand. This guy Phil Chez, who's on the Facebook groups and has been doing cool stuff. And I'm like, oh man, uh, he's doing that. I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you know, we just had this kind of friendly rivalry. But uh, but ultimately, that's what you know in the game industry. That's what we always we always look for inspiration anytime. Yeah. I don't know about you, but like when I go to a game convention or a store con, I'm like, oh, look at that. That's awesome. How do they do yeah. that? I wish or I wish I could do that. It's never it's never. Um, oh, man. You know, that guy bought all that terrain. I'm like, oh, man, I want to play on that terrain. Sure. <laughs> and 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 I love that about our industry. Right. Is it, It's really it, it's it's just it's just fun and, and it's inspiring. Yeah. And it's a and it's a safe place to explore and and play with toy soldiers. <laughs> yeah, well, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, nothing wrong with that at all. That uh, that's just really cool. I I didn't realize that that was a that was a published set of rules already. Mm-hmm. So thanks for thanks for letting me know about that. Yeah. If you don't mind, we I I put out to the listeners if anybody had a question they could they could go ahead and forward it. We did get one listener oh, yeah. question. Lay it on me. From uh, Dave Churchill via Twitter. Dave is going to be participating in my Lards Summit. Uh, event at recruits that's our that's gonna be our two fat lardies event Ooh, which, which game are you gonna do i am running what a space tanker oh that's so awesome i actually uh my i couldn't go to salute this year and but jay did and i told uh-huh. him like you gotta get me the what a tanker rules so i'm excited for this yeah keep going yeah What's my brother question? yeah my brother is running uh standard what a tanker uh two of my friends are running uh are running chain of command and then david is running uh charlie don't surf awesome so i'm, I'm gonna throw in a side note here i love yeah. the lardies um mm-hmm. and because i love their approach to their to their game designs where yeah. they're always uh, mecha- uh big mechanics aren't about it the mechanics actually support the idea of what the game is supposed to be about right right it, it's about getting that flavor of the game uh, and exactly. trying to get things right. I mean, you know, ultimately in what a tanker, you'll have tanks at point blank range ram each other. Not unlike when you play World of Tanks, but it's fun, right? And yeah. and and those moments of like stress when like you're trying to get your gun loaded or 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 being in things like like we all know those moments, right? You know, I actually mm-hmm. used to do a lot of World War II reenacting, um, and was part of a tank crew. Or and I also at one point commanded an eight rad, a two twenty two eight rad. Uh, when yeah. I wasn't playing the Americans, I was playing the Germans, which you know, so you could play good guys and bad guys and shoot at each other for on film. Uh, but um, but th- those like there's always those moments of like that stress or like when you watch movies like Fury and stuff like that, right? And I think that the Lardies do such a good job capturing that. Absolutely. So, so I'm excited for your games, and I want to see pictures. Oh, absolutely. But absolutely. there was a question. Yes. So Dave, <laughs> so Dave uh, sent this in on Twitter. He says, "Oh crap, another KS that is going to test my wallet." And he says, as far as question goes, I would love mm-hmm. to know more about the planning process for a Kickstarter. Well, Dave, sorry, that's a statement, not a question, is hereby disqualified. No. Uh, <laughs> I uh, kid. 
the, so what, the, what can you tell us what can you tell us about the planning now you mentioned earlier that you know the the majority of the homework is hopefully done before you even press go well i mean there's there's, there's the i want to get a product out kind of thing like mm-hmm. um you know, uh, and then there's aspirational Kickstarters. Like, hey, I really right. want to make this happen. Um, but there are some, uh, some, you know, come to Jesus or Thor or Krishna moments that happen uh, when uh, when you're going through a Kickstarter that you really do need to know. One thing that I did was a lot of research. I just looked at a lot of Kickstarters, not just gaming Kickstarters or board gaming Kickstarters, but Kickstarters on new ironing boards, Kickstarters on guys selling watches, Kickstarters on people that were making diaries or people that, uh, and actually I, uh, uh, people that would just handwrite a, a Valentine's letter and send it from Valentine's Illinois or someplace. I can't remember what it was, but like little things like that, right? It's just, or, or people that were making maps of, uh, of um, uh, when I backed this gorgeous map of um, the Bay Area, but done like a Tolkien map, right? Oh. Like all these things, like ultimately I love the inspiration of Kickstarter because there's, it's ideas getting out there. Uh, but I looked at all of them and then I started looking at like, what were the, what were the consistencies? What were the inconsistencies and why? Um, I just, it's the same thing I do like with game design, you're breaking it apart. Right. But, the, right. but, and then, and then I started reading, like uh, I started looking at failed Kickstarters, mm-hmm. right. You know, why are they failing uh, or, or ones that are super late? What happened? And then I just started reading about blogs. And the one thing that, that just kicks you in the nads every time is shipping. No matter yeah. who or where you are, shipping is horrible, and it always costs twice as much as you think it's going to, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's something to be really aware of. Also, you got to know your costs of what things are really going to cost you. And when you're like, man, this is going really well, um, I mean, like to kind of give you a base idea of a cost, uh, for me, for, for production for a miniature, a single miniature, is roughly $1,500, could yeah. be up to two thousand dollars, right? From from concept to sculpt to mold to master from master mold to production mold to casting to packaging, right? It's just you know it goes out there, so you have to think about that. Um, and those are costs that I had to figure out on the way with my laser cutter. I was I was laser cutting them, right? But mm-hmm. but I still need to figure out cost of wood, time to cut, stuff like that. Um, right. Uh, so yeah, so those are the things you have to think about on the front end. Uh, communication is a huge thing um, uh, for anything, right? I mean, uh, you mentioned earlier, I'm lead designer in Neverwinter, and um, it's something that I, as much as we try, I don't think we even do enough of on Neverwinter, is communicating with our with our fans right, mm-hmm. and our players, uh, and something that I, I continually strive for. But with the Kickstarter, it's a little bit... Uh, I just, I love, first of all, I love talking to the people, right? They've got good questions. They're, they're excited. I'm excited. They come with good ideas or they're like, why did you do that head that way? And I'm like, well, let's explain, let's look at this piece. You know, Let, let's talk about what it takes to actually get a piece cast in a mold. So you can have those right. kind of conversations too. Right. Um, why is this piece multi-part instead of right. That kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So you gotta, you gotta kind of know your product or at least know the idea of the product. Uh, next is you gotta, you know, setting your price, uh, your, your goals on uh, what your funding price is going to be, right? Because it is kind of an all or nothing thing. Uh, right. If you know that it's going to cost you a minimum of $10,000 to do that, you can set your goals at $10,000. That's great, right? Uh, uh, you know, I, I set my goals a little bit lower 
because I do want to get it funded. And I know that even if it gets funded to that point, we can make those toys and make it go. Right. Mm -hmm. So then it, so then um, scalability is, is an important thing, but here's the trick. You get excited and you're like, Oh my gosh, we hit, we can do another stretch goal. We can do another stretch goal. And then you realize you just made an extra thousand figures that you have to put out. Did you actually, did you actually make the money in those stretch goals to even pay for that? Yeah, there's some there's some real uh, eye opening. Oh my god, I just had a baby moment <laughs> that happened. But uh, so those things you have to look at. Now there's sure. been enough there's been enough things uh, enough Kickstarters out now since when I first started it like five years ago that there are like probably books or videos or other things on like how to run a you know successful Kickstarter. Even Kickstarter now, when you actually build it, they have uh, FAQs and stuff like, hey, did you think about this? Did you think right. about this? Right. So, so um, if you want to do that, uh, I do recommend looking at Kickstarter first and, you know, again, look at the things that inspire you and then take notes. Right. Okay. Well, I think that Dave, if that doesn't answer your question, let me know and we'll see if we can't get some follow up. And I think at some point, you know, there's, there's been plenty of podcasts about Kickstarters and, why they worked and why they didn't that sort of thing. So I'm not sure I'll tackle it as a full episode, but it might be worth revisiting if, if I have someone else on that's done a Kickstarter in the future. Um, well, I've had actually, I, well, I had Jay Wiley on and we there talked about go. his Kickstarter for uh, Galactic Heroes and uh, had some other folks. Typically speaking, if I have you on the show and you've got a Kickstarter, I'm going to back it with, <laughs> and I backed all of Jay's uh, uh, disclaimer. Jay is actually my artist in residence for a lot of my stuff. So he did yeah. the flag. He did the flags for my uh, for my Kickstarter, and um, he's doing the layout for my book for my Breaking Lances. And when nice. I did my um, my uh, galleys, guns, and glory, my Renaissance uh, galley uh, ship game that I built, he did all the awnings and flags for those as well. He's an awesome oh, nice. artist. Yeah, he he really is. Um, looking forward to catching up and, with him. And a good game first. designer, but but don't yeah. tell him I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I always enjoy catching up with Jay a little bit when when I get to go to recruits. And um, yeah, recruits is held at my old high school. I went to high school there at Lee Summit. So it's... Oh, that's really cool. It's, it's, a, it's a great yeah. high school. It's, it's, it's huge compared to the ones that we have here. Yeah, it's, it's super cool you know, being, having been a game geek there to, to go back there and see how much real estate is taken up with that show and the energy of the kids and yeah, well, yeah, the was, energy of Dwayne and everyone else that's running games. It's just really spectacular. It was, uh, I, I, I felt like a superhero being there. They were, they treated me so well and I had awesome players. Uh, yeah, I had families playing my wooden wars game. Right. And it was really fun. Uh, this one young lady was just, just, just being an, she was just awesome. She was deadly with a rubber ball and she was also deadly with using cavalry, uh, mm-hmm. to, to outflank the players. So she, I gave her, I make, uh, I, I make medals for every, uh, that I give out oh, and, cool. and, you, and you have to really earn them to get the medals. And she got, yeah. she got a medal and that was really cool. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. Super, super cool. Well, at this point, I think all we have left to do is to, uh, just state that triumph of death coming first half of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep, keep your eye out. I will definitely be retweeting anything and everything you say about it and 
forwarding it from the uh, Veteran Wargamer Facebook page. So keep your keep your eyes open, and if you're listening today, and hopefully you're listening soon enough that you can go ahead and get into it. Uh, unfortunately, you can't run it until October 31st, but that's how things go, right? Run the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter, yeah. No, no, it'll be actually next month. Today's today's the 29th. I'm doing it like 10 days no. from now. No, run it until October 31st. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. 30, 30 days is thirty days is. Oh, I see. What you're saying ah, yeah. that took me a, that took me a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not quite. You don't want to run them too long. No, you don't. No, then you, you just don't. get but antsy. I, yeah. Well, I'm super glad that you're that you're expanding the line. I can't wait to see everything that comes out. And it's just now I'm gonna have to. As as soon as we're done recording, I'm gonna have to get my box off the shelf and paw through the figures and curse myself because I've got a another project that I've got to get done by the end of next month and take it to recruits. But nah, I know how it is. I... So, well, super. with that, any anything else you want to talk about as far as Tod two or anything else coming out or I man, no, I think we we covered it uh, pretty well. Thanks very much and. Uh... I'm excited. Uh, I'm as the uh, days roll out. I'm going to be pretty much daily putting out some sort of a teaser, whether it's um, the casts that I just got back from my from my uh, from my caster, the master casts, mm-hmm. showing some of them off like I did today, or more concept art for possible things coming out, or um, actual painted figures. Right, uh, like I'm just finishing up um, the uh, a full crossbow unit with their pavises. So I'm nice. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. So I'll probably be posting that this weekend. If I'm, but, but I'll also be at the game convention, so. Sure. Well, you know. Yeah, gaming. We got a game too. Yep. That's fine. <laughs> I, playing with toys is, you know, the, that takes precedence over putting out pictures of toys. I think so. Yeah. Well, we'll do a little you're, bit you're of both. Allowed. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. Thanks, man. So, whenever uh, you get close to uh, putting out breaking lances, I want to have you on again if that's all right with you. Absolutely. I'll probably actually. I'm going to try and bring it out to recruits next year. Excellent. Yeah, I'll be but there it, with Bell yeah, and I should actually be out before then. But yeah, super Excellent. cool. So, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Glad we were able to get our schedules to mesh finally. Yeah, this is super, Jay. Thanks so much. I really had time talking with you finally, but for this length of time. Yeah, really enjoyed it. As always, if the wargaming you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. Better Wargamer is copyright J. Arnold 2019, music courtesy of freemusicarchive.org, published under Creative Commons, attribution, no derivatives license. Be kind to one another. Now, please enjoy Camille Saint-Saëns' Dance Macabre, recorded by Kevin McLeod in its entirety.
Thank you.